0: Welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep our history alive at the local level. I'm Dale Jarvis. Dr. Andrew Jennings is based in Lurwick, the capital of Shetland. He enjoys everything about life in this beautiful archipelago, from rowing in the local Yole team and taking part in the fire Festival, to walking the dog and experiencing the wild Shetland weather. Living in Scotland's most northernly islands with their Nordic cultural inheritance inspires his research and his teaching at the University of Highlands and Islands. There, he is the program leader on the M.L.I.T. for Viking Studies, Island Studies, Orkney and Shetland Studies, and Highlands and Islands Literature. We reached him by Zoom at his home in Lorwick. So, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's, very, uh, it's, to be here. it's it's nice to turn the tables because usually you know I'm I have to I come into your classrooms and and talk and talk and talk and now now I get to sit back and listen and let you talk for a for a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Um, yeah. yeah, having you on the the, the in the class it's uh, always one of the highlights of the uh, selling cold islands uh, module. Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
0: So maybe maybe to start off with, if there are people who are tuning in who aren't necessarily uh, familiar with Shetland, what can you can you place it in a little bit of a geographical and, and historical context?
1: Yeah, I'll try my best. Shetland is uh, a group of islands about 100 miles long from um, Fair Isle in the south to Unston in the north. And it lies sort of equidistant between... Uh, the coast of Norway, the north coast of Scotland, and the Faroe Islands, and it's at 60 degrees north, which I believe is the same as the northernmost point of Labrador. And of course, it's north of Scotland, and it's in Europe, just in case anyone is wondering.
0: <laughs> and historically, it, it it occupies this interesting position as well, because it, it's, it's not completely Scottish, and, and it is part of that North Atlantic uh, kind of region, that circumpolar uh, kind of heritage that we we share with our our Norse, uh, you know, ancestors or whatnot.
1: Yeah, very much so. Um, I don't know whether um, when you went to to school, if you did Venn diagrams uh, in in maths, um, but we certainly did. So if you imagine um, two circles, a sort of Nordic circle and a Scottish circle, and in the b- between where the two intersect. That's uh, where Shetland would lie historically. Well, far back in the past, it was originally settled by people who would have come from the Scottish mainland, uh, perhaps about 6,000 years ago. And uh, all the connections for the next, let's see, 7,000, well, no, 5,000 years or so were with um, Scotland. Um, but then with the uh, eruption of Vikings from Norway in the 8th, uh, late 8th century, um, Shetland fell into the orbit of the the Norse world and was uh, settled by people from Norway, and then all the cultural connections were with, with Norway and uh, the Norse world, so connections with Faroe Islands and Iceland. Basically I suppose a, that was the most important um, cultural identifier, as far as Shetland is concerned, this connection uh, with the Norse world. But then there was a big change in the late 15th century when Shetland, along with Orkney in 1468 and 1469, um, were removed from uh, Norway and given to Scotland as part of a, um, a dowry when James III was marrying, that's James III of Scotland, was marrying Margaret of of Denmark, Norway, and her father, um, Christian I, uh, couldn't raise the money for the dowry, so he gave Orkney and Shetland uh, instead. And so from that point onwards, um, the connection to Scotland was renewed and um, lots of Scottish people uh, moved to settle in Shetland from the, I suppose, the 16th century onwards. So today, um, the culture of Shetland is, uh, well, it's it's identifiably Scottish in in many, many ways, but it has a a Norse component as well, which sort of sets it apart from the rest of Scotland.
0: That heritage um, is is still apparent in some ways linguistically. Like there are there are certain local um local words that have that kind of Norse connection.
1: Yeah, very much so. Well, in fact, there's a, there's a whole dictionary of them. Um, there was a Faroese scholar came across the Shetland in the late nineteenth century and collected ten thousand words wow. of Norse origin in the the local dialect, and you know a lot of these words were to do with fishing and farming and the sort of everyday life of the times. Uh, but a lot of the words are are still still current. And um, a, the, the dialect that, that's spoken here um, has yeah quite a, a rich component of, of Norse words mixed in with uh, the Scots words. And of course the other big linguistic uh, legacy from the Norse period uh, are all the place names. So Shetland is covered in Norse place names. Um, so the capital of Shetland is Lerwick, which is a Lerwick, um sort of muddy bay is uh, one possible translation of that.
0: Where, where does the word Shetland uh, come from?
1: Well, oh, I could bore you for hours on that. This has been argued about uh, quite a bit. Um, basically, a, it, it, in origin, um, it's Norse and we have early forms from um sort of the 11th century um and the the name is Hjaltland, h-j-a-l-t land and that means hilt land in old norse so like the hilt of a sword so shetland as we have it today is uh, just a, a slight modification of that but why shetland was called hilt land in the first place um is um well still debated um because why would the norse call this group of islands a hilt a hilt of what where's the sword it's it's uh, it's very peculiar so it's possible that when they um, arrived here from norway they met the people that were already here and they asked them What's, <laughs> what do you call this place and in their language they said something that sounded like kjalt to the Norse. And then they sort of, they borrowed that and uh, amended it because they did that quite a lot when they were uh, borrowing names in other places. They, they sort of modified them a bit so that they had a, a sort of meaning in, in Old Norse. Um, and then what was that word? Well, again, we, we don't really know, um, but it was possibly a word meaning something like uh, the, the salty place um, or something of that sort. Mm.
0: So tell, tell me about uh, your work. Like, So I, I've met you through your your work as an instructor and, and course leader. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, well, the way I've been talking, you'll, you'll sort of realize I do quite a lot of lecturing uh, in Orkney and Shetland uh, studies. Um, so that's one of the things that I do. I'm a, a program leader and lecturer on a number of master's programs that we run at the Institute for Northern Studies, which is part of the University of the Highlands and Islands. And um, that means that I do quite a lot of um, organizing, um, but also uh, quite a bit of teaching on, on this range of masters. So one of them, as I just said, is a master's in Orkney and Shetland studies. So if there's anybody out there is, uh, has Orcadian or, or Shetlandic uh, roots and wants to find out more about uh, uh, these fantastic islands, then um, you know get in touch. Um, it's the only place in the world that does this uh, particular uh, degree. Well, I suppose that's not surprising, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. it, it does that. Um, what else do we do? Oh, yes, uh, the uh, Viking studies. So I do quite a bit of teaching on, on that masters. Um which is very relevant because of the cultural heritage that we've been uh, discussing and um that attracts people from all over the place who have who join us um and are taught by vc it's amazing the amount of interest there is worldwide in the vikings and i know that's part of your culture yes heritage absolutely yeah as well um yeah so i suppose the most popular um barbarians out there are the vikings so there's always somebody wanting to to learn about that so when as far as that uh, goes i particularly focus on the vikings in scotland and their their impact uh, on the scottish islands and the, and the scottish mainland but i'm also very interested in things like um visualizing the vikings so the vikings in modern uh, popular culture uh why are they so popular you know why do people want to do do their dna and to see if they've got any Viking ancestors why do they want that um and a the program that you and i um collaborate on is a the masters in, in island studies and again that that comes from this interest that i have in the place that i live um being on this archipelago um so there are certain issues about living on islands that are shared uh worldwide so there's a kind of relevance there um something that's important here in shetland could also be important in newfoundland or in the caribbean or uh, the pacific the I'm, I'm
0: always i'm always interested when when i chat with your class about uh, how how kind of diverse your students are that they're, they're from all over uh, not just not just scotland but all over Europe, you you seem to get a wide range of, uh, of people in that in that class.
1: Yes, uh, I do. It's, um it, it's interesting to me as well, where people uh, come from, you know, when we set the program up, we thought um, it might be of particular interest to people living in the Scottish islands. Um, but it turns out that there are um, sort of ILO maniacs uh, all over the place who want to find out about a island life, or people who have some connection with um, other islands through living there or being, you know, having family uh, connections. So they do come from all over the place, and that's one of the advantages of the programs uh, that we that we run here. Um, is that we've been doing this for years, long before COVID. We've been using VC, um, so you know, to have yourself from Newfoundland uh, talk to. Talk to my students is, is fantastic um but you know I, you've been doing that for for several years uh now um and so we've been i suppose pioneering in that sense yeah uh, it's all down to the way that the university of the highlands and islands was established initially the idea behind it there it was, was a very good one um that anyone anywhere in the scottish highlands and islands and some very isolated rural areas um, would be able to access um tertiary education without necessarily having to go somewhere else so go to edinburgh or glasgow they could just do it where they were um which would also be good for um you know, the demography of the place sort of so that uh could maintain populations in in places that might otherwise be threatened um but once the technology and the infrastructure etc was set up and we were teaching people in shetland or the lewis or barra or somewhere in in the the middle of the highlands um we found that we could actually teach anybody anywhere Mm -hmm. so it doesn't matter whether you're in shetland or whether you're in spain or or australia or canada or whatever you can still um have a, a sort of engaging proper tertiary education experience from your own house and join this group of people from all over the place.
0: Yeah, we'll have we'll have to see if we can convince uh, some Labrador student to do uh, to do the, the program and and explore those connections between Labrador and Orkney because I know the the Orcadians who are great known as great boat builders and were really involved with the Hudson Bay Trading Company. Uh, you know, there's really interesting uh, history here that I that I really don't think even even local people know a lot about. I don't think they know a lot about those. Uh, those uh, ex- explorers and and traders. I, I think I think Orkney was one of the the last places you could get fresh water, and then we were the first place that you could get uh, fresh water when you had completed your uh, your travels across the North Atlantic. Yeah, so there are yeah. some interesting, really interesting connections there.
1: There certainly are, absolutely. Um, so yeah, if uh, anyone in Labrador uh, wants to join us, it would be it would be delighted. Um, <laughs> In fact i was just talking to somebody not from labrador uh, yesterday but from prince edward island and they're interested in a connection with orkney as well because um her uh, her name was sinclair Mm -hmm. and that's a very common name in orkney caithness and in shetland um so uh, she was wanting to find out more about the the connections between her family in prince edward island and in the the northern islands here in Scotland.
0: Yeah, you know, we have we have this, such a, a a long history here of Scottish emigration and 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 settlement here. Um, and I, I know several years ago, I was I was in Alberta in in Western Canada, at a uh, kind of a reconstructed historic. Uh, site, a, a fur trading uh, post site, and and they had a boat builder there who was building these or- Orcadian uh, boats because the the trading company would come over and for, we have these great rivers in Canada that were the primary method of transportation, and so they brought these men over from Orkney and, and had them building these traditional wooden boats, you know, so far from the ocean, you know, and uh, hundreds, thousands of miles from their homes, but still doing these amazing traditional uh, skills. You know, maintaining these traditional skills very, very far from home, which I, I find to be a very interesting uh, kind of phenomenon. You know, that we we, yeah. uh, we go around the world and take our knowledge with us. Yeah. You know, yes, one of the things good. that I'm I'm really interested in is is kind of living traditions and that kind mm-hmm. of those kind of heritage skills. And I and I'm just wondering what what um, what do you find interesting about Shetland culture? Like, what what aspects of traditional culture do you still see being important uh, to Shetland identity?
1: yeah well there there are a number <coughs> excuse me yeah there are a number um boats we mentioned those in connection to orkney uh, but boats are incredibly important in shetland and um, it was said that uh, an orcadian is um, a crofter with a boat whereas in shetland um, a shetlander is a fisherman with a croft so it was sort of you know around the other way and um Boats were the the only means of transport for for centuries. Roads were only sort of, they only started building roads in Shetland in the sort of second half of the 19th century. Um, and even then they were very small sort of roads between uh, the, main, the main settlements. Everybody got around by boat. There were ferries taking people to all the islands. If you wanted to travel from one end of, of Shetland to the other, uh, you certainly, you, you took a boat. And um, the main means of uh, of putting food on on the table or or paying your rent was by fishing. So uh, there's a a range of different traditional boats that um, Shetlanders um, built. In fact, they they used to import the wood um, sort of cut and ready from Norway and brought it to Shetland and then they would uh, finish it off and um, uh amend the boats so that they were suitable for the for the seas uh, around shetland so boats are very important and there's um this is modern shetlanders know this so there's a there's a boat week that's run in the summer um where people can be introduced to the various boats and taken out on boats and um, to experience what it was like and um, they have um, a rebuilt six serene that's the sort of traditional. Uh, mainstay of the um of the line fishing um, in the 18th and 19th century uh, the name originally means something like uh, well it does mean six oared but they rarely had that many uh, But it was an open boat they would take it out um sometimes 40 or 50 miles out to sea uh, it, it did have um, a sail but uh, there was a lot of rowing it went on as well and um it was the part of the well, one of the most important aspects of the the economy at the time so they've they've uh, they've got one of those so people can go out and and try it the museum has a boat shed where they uh, teach traditional boat building skills um on the island advanced there's um there's a, a boat um sort of shed uh that has a whole range of traditional boats in it that people can go and uh sort of touch and feel and smell and get that sensory experience. So, um, yeah, so boats, uh, vitally important, but that's that's uh, not all. Music's very important. Shetland uh, has its own style of fiddle playing, which um, developed in the islands from sort of Scottish roots, primarily, but there's still elements of Norwegian uh, music in there as well. Um, but it sort of uh, diverged and went its own way, a bit like uh, so. Uh, Cape Breton fiddling has, you know, it's got its own its own thing. Well, Shetland's got its own um, flavour of, of fiddling, and a lot of Shetland fiddlers have gone on to make careers uh, around the world, and performing at folk festivals and and um, all over the place. So that um, is incredibly important. Uh, what else do we have? Well, we have things like uh, wool week, sheep. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> the rearing of sheep is still very important in Shetland, and lots of people have, have their own flocks. Uh, there's a traditional type of, of Shetland sheep, uh, which has a, um, a particularly fine fleece. Um, so going along with that, we have the um, the knitting knitting patterns you know fair isle knitting is world famous um so that's extremely important for uh, modern shetland identity and um you know uh, textiles and fabrics have uh, become part of the um the, the creative um industries that, that uh, shetlanders are involved in uh let's see so let's see we've got boats we've got sheep we've got uh, <laughs> yeah. music um a, well the, the viking heritage is still very important um through a victorian lens right so yeah. the uh the festival of uphelia which was originally um a sort of uh, riotous affair that took place in Lerwick with young men setting off shooting guns and roaring, rolling tar barrels and things through through the streets was converted uh, in the late 19th century into um, a sort of celebration of Shetland's Viking heritage and, um, you know, sort of, uh, it was given a, a sort of structure and a, a format that it still follows uh, to this day. Well, there's been slight changes over time but it's, it's effectively the same and, and when, that is sorry, and when
0: yeah. what so what when does it take place it's it's after christmas after New yes, Year. it's
1: after christmas yeah it's sort of supposed to be traditionally the end of yule so right uh, or the 24th day of christmas if you want to put it uh, that way so it's the last tuesday in um january whenever that happens to to fall and then wednesday is sort of recovery day um <laughs> yes so it's it, it, the tradition is that um, there's it, it's, it's a huge fire festival. It has and the the people who take the fiery torches in this procession through Lerwick are called geysers. So they they dress up um, and they're in squads. Um, you can see this is the Victorian sort of traditions years old there is sort of organised, you know, in the squads um, and the the lead squad every year is called the Jarl's Squad, and uh, Jarl is the old Norse word um, that gives us Erl in English. So um, so, the Jarl is the one who runs the uh, event in that particular year. And the Jarl's Squad are all dressed as Vikings. And um, they go to an ex- extraordinary lengths to produce their own um, uh, costume. Uh, for the the, the the event and um the other part of the this of the the evening uh, fire festival is that it all culminates in them all throwing their burning torches into a viking longship and setting it alight and uh, it's all accompanied by um various songs and uh, a brass band and uh it's it's a celebration of Shetland identity, or particularly the Lerwick version of a Shetland identity. Now, and, so yeah.
0: this is a this is a Lerwick based tradition. Does it does it exist in other variations, uh, kind of around Shetland?
1: Yes, well, um, it does because obviously uh, other areas thought, "Oh, that looks fun. We'd like to do <laughs> that as well.
0: We want to set something on fire." Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: So, uh, I think there's there's no doubt that up are as you know, when people think about it, they think of, think of Lerwick, and um, it's the biggest and the oldest and the the, the origin of uh, this particular uh, practice. But um, other places have have copied it. Um, so uh, Scalloway, which is about five miles away from Lerwick and it is the old capital of Shetland, uh, there's a fire festival takes place there. Um, sort of around the well it changes again but sort of the the 10th of january so it's before the one in in lerwick and it's it's a big event as well so um it would probably be the second biggest fire festival in europe you know so it, it's it's a very big one the one in lerwick is much bigger but the one in, in scalloway is is big and impressive as well and um the, there are squads, the same sort of thing. I I was in the Yarrow squad in, in the Scalaway Fire Festival a few years ago, and it was it was tremendous experience and, and uh great fun. And again, yes, we threw our burning uh, torches into the um the longship as well, and it was set afloat in the water at Scalaway, and you could see it burning in the uh in the dark, because it's done in the dark and they turn the lights off. You know the street lights so it's very uh, very impressive and other places in shetland have also um, do it as well so each community has um their version of Upelia that uh, everyone gets involved in so from unston the north to uh, the southern part of shetland there are there was one taking place um sort of at some point between the beginning of january and march so if you come to Shetland in that period, uh, you're you're probably going to be able to see um, an up early hour somewhere taking place. Yeah.
0: Well, maybe that's where maybe that's a spot to end our our, our conversation. And it, that that is definitely on my my bucket list of things to do. You know, I because we, I have this great interest in kind of year end festivals with our Mummers Festival here, and you know, I, and I love these fire. I, I love the fire traditions. We of course have this. Uh, Uh, tradition here of bonfire night uh, you know Guy Fawkes night and and there was a tradition here of uh, what some communities called torch night and it was again these nighttime torch lit processions Um, often you know people would have an old uh, tar mop you know for if you had a if you had a a roof on your structure that you needed to to tar down or, or, or fix up, you would, you would save your old tar mops for, for that particular night and light them aflame and wander through the the community. And, and, you know, I, one of the things that I love about our Mummers Festival is that there's this incredible, um, collective feeling of joy at being part of the the crowd and and I think that that's something that in our modern society we we kind of miss so like you might get it at a big sporting event um but we don't have those big kind of ritual uh activities and I and I think they're they're tremendous and I think we need need more of them and uh, to, to let off a bit of steam so to speak absolutely so uh Now, if people are interested, say, in in the programs that the university offers, uh, where can they get more information on uh, the University of Highlands and Islands? I I know there's a a website and uh, people can can look for it there.
1: That would be the easiest place. Uh, We have, uh, you know, just uh, Google, UHI, University of Highlands and Islands. And uh, once you you come across that, uh, you just go into the search box there and put in uh Nordic I'm just checking this as we speak <laughs> <laughs> yeah there we go and then we get the Institute for Northern Studies and uh it's all the information is there we do um undergraduate degrees as well in Scottish cultural heritage and um we've also got a new online Masters called uh, Scottish Her- heritage um which can be done without having to attend VCs it's all literally a online and we have uh, uh quite a lot of people from North America have, have signed up for that um but if you want to um meet me um sort of face to face via the the screen and uh, find out about uh, Orkney and Shetland in particular or um, any of the others then uh, please have a look online and, and then we can get in touch and I'd be delighted to tell you more about the the various programs
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for this. It's always a pleasure to have a chat. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail, and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening.